the name above all names. Amen. What we've been learning in these past weeks, God's been speaking to us and continues to speak to us about the Word of God. The Word of God, the Logos Word, the written Word that we can read in our Bibles, uh, in almost every translation of every tribe and nation in the world. Did you know that this is the best-selling book? It still is the best-selling book in the world. It is called the Bible. I don't care. You know, recently, Lonnie and I travel a lot. And, you know, these hotels are going, are trending. Let's use the, the latest word. They're trending to keep the Word of God out of the hotel rooms. I used to not have to uh, unpack all my suitcases when we were in between spots. I could just grab the Gideon Bible that was in my nightstand next to me in a hotel room. But you reach for them, and they're not there. They're not there in the big chain hotels anymore. If any of you are working for one that is listening to this uh, live stream today, get the word out. People need the word of God. I've had testimonies from people that were suicidal, and they'd gone to a hotel to commit suicide. They weren't going to do it in home. They let the hotel clean up the mess. And they somehow reached into that drawer, and they pulled out a Gideon Bible, and God met them there in the Word. I'm sure some of you have heard testimonies like that. But we've been studying the Word of God and the power of it, and that it's alive. We've been, we've been talking about the Word of God that there's a rhema word, it comes from God himself, the voice of God speaking to you and the Holy Spirit and how it changes our life. We, we've been talking about being begotten. We've, we've, we've gone through the study of the difference between being born again isn't really fully accurate for the purposes of God. And we've been studying about the Holy Spirit overshadowing us as we are engendered by the Holy Spirit and begotten from above. And the seed of Christ is, is placed and engendered in our spiritual womb inside of every man and every woman. We've been stuttering about the pattern sun and how we grow and how this process continues. And we understand that we are not a finished work. But we do understand. He's been teaching us about our identity. We are sons. <laughs> We are called sons. We, you know, I, I shared with you before that when I was pregnant, uh, you know, I was pregnant with my son. I knew he was a son before. Well, you know, some of you know that. I didn't know until Jed was born. We'd had three daughters, and they said, it's a boy, it's a boy, and I just really couldn't believe it. It was number four, and a real shock to us anyway, nine years after the girls had been born. And they said, it's a boy. And Lonnie's like, it's a boy. And I go, no, hold him up. And this is exactly what I said to the doctors. I said, I need to see the outdoor plumbing. OK, I, I got to see this. I, I got to make sure this is a boy. And indeed, it was my son. And he was my son. But we know that the word of God says that all creation, in Romans 8, it talks about all creation is groaning. That means the, the creation itself, it means humanity. There's something inside of us that are groaning for the manifestations of the sons of God to be manifest in the earth. 
the trees, the plants, everything, the clouds, the sky, the heavens, the universe. There's a groaning even in heaven in the saints that when the sons of God are going to be manifest in their fullness. Amen? In the glory of God as he is reduplicated in them. In the image of God. We, we talked last week that, that we don't know exactly yet. It's good enough for us to know. We don't know exactly yet what we're going to look like. But we know that when we see him as he is, we shall be like him. Amen? It's exciting. Thank you. Thank you. Did you pop that for me? Thank you. I'm going to just take the top. So we want to continue in that. And the Lord uh, was speaking about the scriptures in Isaiah. We're familiar with them because we talked about them uh, Thursday night, and we've been you know, talking about the birth of the Son of God. But we all know that he's not a baby in a manger anymore. Okay? He has conquered. He has been born. He went through his childhood. He went through the process of growth. And he came out, and he died, and he rose again. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he is King of kings and Lord of lords. We sang about that this morning. He is the center of it all. He is the center of God's plan. And that's why I've been talking to you about the love for the word of God. And how I told you how I learned to love the word, to cherish the word. So when Bob Sorge was speaking here during the Feast of Tabernacles and said he can't imagine somebody coming to a worship service or anywhere without their Bible or prayer or anything because God can speak to you at any moment. It could be right here in the midst of this, this, this gathering of the saints that the rhema word of God can come to you. And believe me, it's so exciting. You've got to have something to write it down with. I mean, we've, we've got to take notes. We've got to rehearse the word. We've got to understand that every Sunday or time that we gather, God is speaking, and he's telling us a story, and he's equipping us for what's about to happen, or what is happening. Amen? Deb, you were talking about he's coming, and, and so the Lord was quickening to me when you were speaking the scriptures, okay? So I didn't write it down, because I, I didn't have my pen out, but I had my pad. But it was written right that quick, and the Lord reminded me. He said, the coming, that is translated the parousia of God, of Jesus, the coming, it is in the, tri uh, the uh, plural tense in the Greek. And it means when he came in the past, he's coming now. He came in the past, he's coming now, and he's coming in the future. So he's always here. And you don't want to miss a coming of the Lord to you. You don't want to miss a rhema when he came to you and had something to say specifically to you. It might be a rhema that he wants you to share with others. It might just be specifically for you. And so the word of God, I love the word. I, I told you that we transcribe the word. I told you that what I cut my teeth on in my early or late teens and early 20s was 
the man of God, the apostle that was teaching us and we were learning from, he honored the word of God. It was highly esteemed because Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word. If you don't know the word, it, it, you've, got to, you've got to read the word. This is your job. This is your work. I can't do that for you. If you think you can live and survive on a Sunday message or a Thursday night Bible study, you can't. You, Jesus said man doesn't live by bread alone, but the daily bread from heaven. Come on. You've got to go to the baker. He's baking it up. It's hot. It smells good. There's nothing that smells better than fresh baked bread. I made some homemade rolls over the holiday, you know, bread rolls, dinner rolls. And they're like, oh, the smell of bread, the smell of bread. Yeah, that's how we should feel about the smell of the word, the daily bread. We would transcribe it. We would take it. We would record it. We would rehearse it. People, if we missed a service, somebody would call you your friend. Oh, you got to hear what God spoke today. They didn't associate it with who was bringing the word. You know, some people clap for people, and they go miles to hear somebody speak. Aren't you glad you don't have to get on a jet plane to hear God speak to you? You could go right to him. Is it awesome? Well, I love the word, and I, I want I want. God wants to impart to you the love of the word. He wants, I pray for you to be insatiable, have an insatiable hunger to read the word. I don't care how it starts. If you get a little pop-up devotion every day, I just, you've got on your phone or your computer or you've got cards by the side of your bed and you read the scripture of the day. I love those. I love those much more than a Chinese co cookie fortune. Come on. Do you understand? It, it sets the course of the day. It gives me food to ponder. It, I even get that before my first sip of coffee. You know, for you coffee uh, people, which I'm one of them. I want to start with the scripture that God spoke and prophesied through the prophet. Because God will speak. He gives us word to the prophets to speak to us, right? I mean, he'll speak to you too, individually. It's the word, but it's in Isaiah. And all of you, most of you have heard the scripture. It's Isaiah 9, 6. And you hear it a lot during this season. Unto us a child is born. He was prophesying this before Christ was ever born. He prophesied of the coming of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the only begotten Son at that time. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. The Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Wow, all those are teachings. Every one, that scripture, you could teach on that for a month, on every aspect of that. But today I want to talk about the government. It says, the government shall be upon his shoulders. 
we know <coughs> that Isaiah is speaking of a savior. Our wonderful Prince of Peace, who has already come to rule over a kingdom. That's what he's telling and prophesying to the people. They were living in great darkness. Unlike what, you know, it wasn't, we are living in a time of great darkness in addition to the great light that is coming and piercing the darkness, right? And that comes for you. That's how he's designed it. Arise and shine, for your light has come. Amen? But this is a kingdom who the people are totally submitted to his authority and his governance. This is what Jesus was sent for, the kingdom. And it shall be established. Amen? So he was here to provide counsel. It just said he's wonderful. He's the wonderful counselor. He's here to counsel you. He's here to guide you. He's here to take you through it all and direct the lives of the people that live in his kingdom. Amen? Of course, we all know this is about Jesus. And he lives where? In the hearts of his people. In fact, the next verse in Isaiah 9 is 7. And it says, of the increase of his government. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. And upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, forever and ever. He prophesied it. Jesus has come. Jesus is coming right now. And Jesus will come, the soon returning king, in the future. Are we all on the same page here? We got this. You know, I like to keep it simple. I'm not here to impress you. I want you to have a foundation. Because in the world, there are so many Christians that don't have a foundation. And the foundation, they built their foundation on sand. In the last generation, there's, there's been a generation of seeker-friendly churches, and I, I like to be friendly, but I can't leave you with just um, skits and, and music and special. I, I can't do that, because when the trials come and the waves come, you will have a house that is falling if you don't have the foundation of the Word of God. So it is a simple gospel. It's simple. I, I don't have to impress you with everything I might know or not know. It's a simple gospel, and I want you to have the foundation of the word. And the only way you can have that is to digest it and read it and let God enlarge it in you. So if, if this is his kingdom, it's pretty much our job. I hope you've already figured this out. If you're part of the kingdom... And Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. Those are Jesus' words. You can read them in your Bible. And you are governed or to be governed by Jesus. Your life 
should be governed by the direction and the counsel of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and Father God. Amen? Every day of your life. This isn't a nice poem, and his kingdom is forever, and he shall reign, and the songs that we sang. He is the center. Jesus is the center. He's the center of the universe. He spoke it into existence in the Father and the Holy Spirit, everything. He is the center. So at the same time, the Word of God says that Scripture tells us that um, Jesus rules over the nations of the world. I want to read the Scripture to you. It is in um, Psalm 66, 7. The Word says, He ruleth by his power forever. His eyes behold the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. I just want to tell you, I don't want you to be fooled. You better know that this nation isn't being ruled by the Republicans or the Democrats or whoever is going to be sworn in or whoever are the kings of men and the president of the United States. The ultimate rule comes from King Jesus himself. He is the ruler over the nations. There is nothing getting by God. In fact, he's shaking the nations right now. He's shaking the, the nations and he's shaking the people of the nations. And if you haven't felt that you've been shaken, that I don't know what else it's going to take, I really want you to get on the program because I've had enough shaking. And everybody thinks this is over when the clock turns, you know, to January 5th, 1st. But there's a shaking going on. And he's going to shake your life until he gets the measure of his attention from you. And why? Because he loves you, and he is faithful, and he is not, it is not his desire to leave you behind. He'll leave the 99 and go after the one that seems to be lost. That's his, that's, <laughs> amen. That's my Jesus. That's your Jesus. So, don't be fooled. It's not Wall Street. But some people, I, you think, yeah, we're laughing about it, but I've heard, I've heard even Christians telling me recently, I, I'm sure it wasn't any of you, but how upset they are about their unemployment checks that went from their unemployment check plus $600, and then it went down to $400, and actually, very soon, it's going to end if the president doesn't sign something or Congress doesn't do something. But I'm here to tell you, none of that matters because I serve Jehovah Jireh. God is my provider. And if you are worked up about that, something has slipped a cog. The enemy got in there thinking, let me tell you, the government giveth and the government can give away. I'm old enough to know that. I've experienced that too many times. I, I'm not dependent on that. 
And let me tell you, the word of God prophesies that Babylon is falling. And the monetary systems of this world, they must be destroyed. Why? Because God intends to govern. He intends to bring justice. If all the monetary systems of the world collapse, that means there's a reset coming. This follows things that we've learned in the word of God. God had jubilees where all debts were forgiven. We cannot outsmart this. You're either governed by God or you're not. Do you understand? He is in control. It is a fearsome thing of what's happening at the degree it's happening. None of it makes sense, yet in God's plan, it makes sense. And he, his plan has not changed. Amen? So, my next notes here. Here's another scripture, Isaiah 40, 15, from the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. He taketh up the islands as a very little thing, and all nations before him are counted to him less than nothing and vanity. We get impressed. We're Americans. We're the greatest nation in the world. Right? It's really not that impressive to him. It's the people that live in it. He's after you. He's after you. He's after your heart. He's after your heart. Isaiah, go ahead and say, try to measure God's greatness against the greatness of the world, the things that man finds impressive. He says, take all the weapons in China and everything that's going on and the big boats and the little boats and the this and that, and the nuclear weapons, and he says, compared to God and the power of God, they're vanity and they're nothing. They're vanity and they're nothing. Men think, we think, that we have all this power. But the Lord amounts that to no more than a mound of dust. So we think of all those oppressive regimes. You know, when I was growing up, we had drills to get under our desk. This tells you how old I am. Get under your death. This is when the Cuban crisis was coming, and I was a little girl. And we did drills, and we got under our school desks because they could send off a nuclear bomb. Now, think. use your critical thinking. We were all afraid. We drilled on this. We did, and we all got under, and we huddled. A nuclear bomb headed for L.A. and us under our school desk. What was that going to do? So in, we're laughing about it, but that's the truth. What can we do? God has the power to save. God, if you're intended to stay alive, there's nothing that's going to keep you you know, from, from fulfilling that desire of God's heart. Thank, thank you for talking to me, Lonnie, and keeping me going. Thank you, Lonnie. Give me those words. Come on. <clears throat> so I stay on track. Amen? But this was Russia. 
Russia with the Cubans getting the missiles there. They were going to shoot us up. Da 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 da. da, da, da. Guess what? It wasn't that long that I had uh, one of our spiritual daughters, Elka, from Germany. Um, she grew up in Germany. She lived with the Berlin Wall. Her her family, the whole world, knew that the Iron Curtain and 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 the Berlin Wall and the Iron Curtain and Russia and everything else, it came down in one day. It was all over. The brutality of a regime that had caused millions of millions of people, generations to suffer, it was over in a day. And when God said it was over, it was over. It fell. It crashed. And we're all like, where did they go? What happened? We, we couldn't believe it. We were sitting in awe. We were watching our televisions of pieces of that wall being torn down, people jumping over, seeing family they hadn't seen in years. This is our God. He can do things that quickly. These things have happened. I just want to give you something that has happened in earth, on earth as it is in heaven. It was his will that that come down, and it happened. So we keep praying. We pray that Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God, Isaiah 52.10. Amen? Now, that's just the intro. Now we're going to get to some good stuff. In no other kingdom does God rule as supremely as in his kingdom that is established in your heart. That's where he's ruling right now. Boy, that's where he wants to rule. That's the plan. Luke 17, 21 says, Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Jesus' own words, if you read it in your Bible, it's in red. That's his desire. The increase of his government shall have no end. That means over you, his children. It not only speaks of Jesus' rule, it's not about you dying and going and then suddenly you're a submissive one. Some of you think, oh, you know, I keep doing things I don't want to do. and It's for now. He's meant to rule over your life and govern and direct you and counsel you today and yesterday, today and tomorrow. Not when you die and go to heaven. He's here to teach you and guide you out of your rebellious ways. Out of your ways of error. He's here to counsel you in his love. And how he do, you are the apple of his eye. He, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, they just talk about you all the time. They're after you. They love you. They care about you. They care about your family. They, God is my provider. He knows my needs. He knows what I think I need, and he knows what I really need. And, he, and I've asked him to rule over my heart and rule over my life. And therefore, he gives me what I really need. And sometimes he just blesses me things. You know, here's little Debbie up here telling you, I has not seen, ear has not heard, but the God has. Sometimes he blesses your socks off, and you never expected it. And, and it's really not some big spiritual thing. And he just blesses you, and he just loves to bless you. 
And he loves to shock you at his goodness and his greatness and his faithfulness. <coughs> Amen. Really, I'm not sick, but I just have this in my throat. So, so if that's the case, um, he wants to overrule Overrule your fleshly desires. So the question is, you know, David, we know that David, King David, he had a lot of issues. He did a lot of stuff. <coughs> that wasn't good. But he continually allowed himself to be ruled by God. He allowed himself to be disciplined by the Lord. Did he not? He allowed himself to be governed by God's word, and the Lord always brought his life back into what? Divine order. Through repentance. He would use a prophet to do it. So society today doesn't really want a whole lot. I just told you earlier that they don't even want the Bible in their hotels. I'm looking at society as a whole. <clears throat> they, they, they've gotten it out of our schools in America. In fact, some other nations allow the Bible in the schools, but in America they don't. Did you know that? I mean, how can this be? We just don't understand it. But it's become an, an object of ridicule. We, we hear it on television. They don't want to hear it. Uh, we fundraise for our community center next door, and some people are just like, we do not give to anything that is faith-based, and that's it. We, we love what you guys are doing. We believe in what you're doing. We promote it. We give money to everybody else, but because you are faith-based, we do not support you. Don't come back again. We've already told you this. We're not changing the rules about that. We might be doing more in one area of, of community outreach to people than, than those others that are getting these funds. But they will not do it because we are faith-based. We aren't proselytizing their children. We're, not, we're loving them with the love of God. We're loving the people with the love of God. We are allowing Christ to rule in our hearts, in our minds, and in our deeds and these are the things that we do. So you see the adversity to anything that might be faith-based. In schools, courts, public places, we hear it all. As a result of that, we know that America no longer really has any moral... You know, it's just moral authority. We just don't live in a moral world anymore. And, you know, I realized the other day, the Lord was showing me, we get, we get silly at times and we laugh about things that aren't moral. You know? Because the world's laughing at it. It's true. I know that somewhere along this week, you're going to run into something and you'll be challenged with it and the Lord will show you how desensitized we get to it. Understand what I mean? 
And when it really isn't funny at all. It's not funny at all. But some, somebody says something or cracks and everybody's laughing. It's not funny. And so it creeps in in any way that the enemy tries to it. God's message to us is this, and it's clear. If you despise my word, your foundational structures will erode and eventually topple overnight. That's a message to our nation, all the nations of the world. But far more, than, uh, far more serious than a nation despising God's words is a child of God who despises God's word or picks and chooses what part of the word will govern his or her life. That's much more serious. And um, I know you wanted some, maybe you were coming in here looking for a nice prophetic word because this coming week is New Year's, and that's going to be coming next week. But God wanted this for you. I'm, I don't apologize for it. He wants you to know if you want to live successfully in 2021, and let him be in charge of your life. Let him be the one that's canceling you. Let him be the one that's directing you. Let him be the one that you're depending on. Amen? So, because, he, it, you know, we just get accustomed to all this stuff. We get accustomed to all this stuff. In fact, um, Paul, uh, I was reading in Thessalonians, this past week, and Paul was warning the people in Thessalonica, the church that was there. And he was telling them, you know, there's some bad stuff coming down here. You guys got to wake up. Basically, I'm paraphrasing the message, but he's saying, in the last days, this stuff is coming, and, and they were just living it like they were the last days. That's how they lived their life. You can't live with that future in mind. Well, Today we party, tomorrow we'll get serious. It's a holiday. We can be silly. Oh, we can watch that movie. You know, that was one from the old days when I was sowing my seeds. Yeah, it's got a few cuss words. It's got a few, yeah, there's some nakedness. Tell the kids, shut your eyes, shut your eyes. We're watching. It's coming to the bad part. Come on. Come on, people. Come on. Come on. Let God pierce through the things that's hardened us. There's places that aren't tender, that aren't quickly like, whoa, that's, we got to stay. That's not right. Shut that thing down. What are we even thinking? Who's deceived us? You see, it says that in the last days, a strong spirit of delusion. God will send it out. And it will convince people to, the delusion will be so great and the confusion, well, they will believe a lie. That's what Paul said. And he, and he tells them what the lie is. You guys know what the lie is? They'll think that the Antichrist is the Messiah. And we all sit here and we think, well, you know, we know that Antichrist, the Antichrist spirit, has gone out since Jesus' time. I mean, it was there when he was on the earth. But it has ever increased with more deception and delusion. 
And we're all sitting around. I mean, you know, and, and you hear all the stories and the, and the conspiracy stories, and we hear about the vaccine. And I don't know how any of you feel about the vaccine. I haven't talked to any of you about how I feel about it. That's coming. You understand? But some of us think it's the hope of the world. It is the savior of the world. The vaccines that are coming from Moderna and Pfizer. They are going to save the world. That some people are taking it. And I read that one person died from it. If that's true, I don't know. We, we can hardly believe anything we hear, even in the news. We've got to know who is the savior of the world. We've got to know he's in control. We've got to know that he alone, we can trust his word. We can trust voice. If you don't get close to the word of God, and if you don't get close to the word of God who has become flesh and dwells among us right now, today, how will you know under this strong delusion that you too might not be mistaken? Because you see, who, who is the Messiah and who isn't? What is the Savior of the world and what isn't? I know this is a sobering word, but we need to think about it. Because we're living in some shaking times. Uh, we are living under some strong delusion. And they're mixing up the delusion juice just about everywhere you go and offering it to you. Come on. How will you know? You've got to be so sensitive that the Holy Spirit can say, don't do this. I don't want you to do this, Sean. Sean says, but, but Kathy's doing it. She said she was going to do it. Why can't I do it? You know, it might come down to that. Yeah. It might come down to that. You better heed the warning of the Holy Spirit, and you better start learning and practicing his presence enough to be in his presence when you know the Holy Spirit is there your eyes is closed, and you feel his presence coming on you, and he speaks that word to you, because your soul, trust me, your soul has learned to try to sound like and talk like God. Yeah. And convince you of things in your life that, that, that the enemy wants you to do, or your soul just wants to do, so you can't even bear, you can't even trust that witness. Do you hear me? It's got to be the witness of the Spirit. It's got to be the witness of the Son of God that's living in your spiritual womb, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's got to be the witness that you are to do this or you are to do that or you are not to do this, you are not to do that. He's got to govern your life in these days. You've got to have your house built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. You've got to know where it says, and you've got to, you've got to have some counselors, some men and women of God that you believe, you know, can help you. That's what pastors were really meant for, 
Shepherds of the flock were meant to shepherd your soul. Because your soul man can get you in trouble. Mine has gotten me in trouble many times. My soul will get involved and my mouth will just run with something. And there I am, sticking my foot in my mouth again. You know? Because it just wasn't governed in that moment of time. And I have regrets. You have regrets. You're laughing because we have regrets. What was I thinking? I was trying to show off. All these spirits, the strong delusion. All we need to do, if he's governing us, even if we mess up, he's faithful. He won't let you go. Do you understand? I'm not talking condemnation here. I'm talking conviction of the spirit. It convicts you. And you're like, Ugh! ugh. That was nasty. Do you know? Yuck. It's got the yuck factor on it. Lord, I'm sorry. And maybe that person I might have been talking to, it was just over their head. They didn't even get it. But God is convicting me. And he's saying, I want to rule here, Kath. I want to rule here. I want to govern your life. I want to use you when I set up my kingdom. He said, some of you will be overseeing nations. Well, how are you going to oversee a nation that he appoints you to if you don't even know the word of God and you can't teach anybody anything? You haven't learned the lessons yourself. They can't be my lessons. You go through the manifestation of the Son of God that's growing in you. You grow in his authority. You grow in the hearing. You growing in sight. His heartbeat lives in you. Are you guys getting this? I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I don't want any of you to feel like you're beat up today, but I hope you are encouraged that he is your Savior. He is the only one. He is the only Messiah. There is not another. He is the one. He is the only one. He's the only rock. He's my rock. I can stand on him. He's your rock. You can stand on him. The word of God will expose every ambitious thing in us that is of fleshly origin. Come on, he wants to do that. I don't want to be a carnal Christian. I don't want to be a soulish Christian. I want to be spiritual. But the first, line, first the natural, then the spiritual. You know what I mean? That natural man is always trying to manifest. But God loves you just the way you are. But he's here to refine you and change it and bring you into the glorious image of his son as you mature. You're not a baby anymore. Just like Jesus isn't a baby in a manger anymore. He didn't beget you. You're not a begotten child of God. The Holy Spirit didn't overshadow you in that moment to leave you as an embryo. Do you understand? He's here to bring you forth and to birth the sons of God, the manifested sons of God in the earth. Amen? Amen. Every hidden, every hidden lust of our heart that will mislead us, he's here to expose it. 
But if we refuse to let him do that, we open ourselves to grave deception. And you could believe that lie. I don't want you to, and he doesn't want you to. Paul said they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. We can't neglect the governing rule of Jesus in our hearts. We just can't. And we have to have sound doctrine. And some of the doctrine, he's changing things. We grew up in churches. We grew up with doctrines of men. And God is stripping those away. You know, something that you might have laid your life down for. And he said, you know what? That wasn't even me in the first place. That isn't even how I think about this stuff. Yep, you're ready to die for that. That wasn't even me. Nope. I don't even, that isn't a big deal for me. And he's, and he's separating it. His doctrine, the center of it is the love of God. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son to redeem us. That is the center of it all. His great love. He loves you so much he won't leave you where we might want to stay. So as we see these things, some of them are frightful things that are happening in the earth. As we come in, we continue to pray. We continue to pray for our nation. God's not going to leave it where it is. He loves this nation. He loves America. He helped found America. I don't care what anybody tells you. He founded America to be a Christian nation. One nation under God. Indivisible. But the enemy is having a party right now, and everybody's saying, we're so divided, we're so divided. We're not in him. We are not divided. If we are under the kingdom of Jesus and his rule, we are one. If we are all subjects of his kingdom, we are one people. And out of many become one man. Jesus, the manifested son. Amen? Out of many. That's God's desire. So, Jesus, this is one of his promises. This is one of God's promises. You know, and Jesus is doing, he learned the same way you're learning right now. It tells us, in the, uh, this is a sideline, not in my notes. Jesus, this is a Holy Spirit moment. He just said, to remind, he was reminding me, and I'm reminding you. <clears throat> Jesus um, <laughs> is such a moment. Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. And he said, I only say what I hear my father saying. That's part of that governing. He was letting father govern his life. He was letting father counsel him. He was letting father direct him in all that he did. Do I stay? Do I go? Whose house do I eat at? Where are you leading me today? Am I pushing out from the side of the water out on the Galilee? Oh, I'm just, I was busy waiting on you doing something. The disciples are in the boat. The storm's going on. I'm just going to walk in the water out to the boat and hang out with them while we get over to the other side. Remember? That's Jesus. That's what he saw the Father doing. I was saying, yep, yep. I'm sending you over on that water in the storm. And they're all dying. And saying, it's a ghost. And we're going to die. We're going to die. 
And it's Jesus, and I'm here to calm the storm. Peter jumps out of the boat. You know, all that stuff. Sometimes you can't appreciate him unless you're in the middle of a gigantic storm when he shows up. Right? Sometimes it's just like that. You're going along in the favor and the blessings of God every day, and you, you know, it's how we are. We just don't appreciate it. But man, we get in a situation, and he shows up in the middle of the storm, and we're telling, and God, it was down to the ninth hour, and they were taking my car, and the guy was in the parking lot, and somebody walked up with the money. And, you know, I mean, we have our stories, and they're testimonies of God's faithfulness. He knows your need. He knows your story. He wrote it. We read about that in Psalms 139. So I'm closing now. I am closing, finally. Finally. Father says he's near those who are of a humble and a poor spirit, humble spirit and a contrite heart. He says, I'm near those kind of people. I hang out with them. Those are the kind of people that I choose to do my work, the greater works. They just are humble, and they love my word, and they're nobodies. And I, I, can, I can really use them to do this because they'll let me have all the glory. They're just humble, and they love his word. They're not there to... No. You're going to let me be the sinner. That's his promise. He also said, Hear the word of the Lord, you that tremble at my word. Yeah. That fearsomeness is power. I honor the word. It's powerful. I get it. And he said, and I will appear to you in your joy, because his word brings you joy. And I will appear. That word appear means I will manifest myself clearly to you. That is a manifestation. I shall appear in substance. I will let you, you, you will feel my touch. You know, some people get healed and they go, like, I've been healed, and I've told Lonnie, in the middle of a gigantic thing, you know, another trial, and on and on, and no doctors can do it, and they can't fix it, and do it, and I've, I've been in the midst of it praying, and just accepting God's will, and knowing he is my Savior, he is my healer, Jehovah Rapha, my healer, and, and there'll be nothing going on, and, and I'll go, he just touched me. I'm healed. And, and this had been going on so long, they're expecting me to die. And, and they're like, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, nice. Glad Jesus touched you. No, no. Jesus touched me. I'm healed. You don't get it. I'm healed. He touched me. He just touched me. He touched me. I might have been so weak at that time, I could have saying it like, no, no, no. He, he just touched me. I'm on my last leg of life, and they think I'm delusional. But it was true. You know when he touches you. You know it. And from that moment on, 
I recovered because I was healed. I was healed when no one could do anything else about it. That's our God. So James tells us, James is the brother of the Lord. In James 1, 21 and 25, he says, Receive with meekness, receive with humility, that means, with, you know, honor, humility. Receive with meekness the engrafted word. The engrafted word. That engrafted means implanted. I want you to get a picture, like, like in, you know, rose bushes that come to you. They have a really heavy-duty stock root, and then they will graft on something else that's new, and they will graft it on to that stock root that can't, it just won't die. We had one right out here in front. For over 20 years, the rest of the rose died on it that had been grafted on it, but that root stayed, and we were all too lazy to just dig it up and throw it out. It just would send up shoots all the time, no flowers, no nothing. But on the 27th year, <laughs> that thing started blooming. It was from the root. It took 27 years, but God said, if you're going to leave it in the ground, I'm going to increase it, I'm going to bloom it. And, they were, and the roses that were on it before were yellow, and the ones that came up were red. Is that awesome? God can do anything. So if you've been around and you haven't been bearing anything and you're just nobody's thrown you out and kicked you out yet, God can come and bloom a red rose in your life. Come on. When he deems it and he wants it. And so now we have this gorgeous rose in our church garden out front here. Oh, engraft us. Let the word be engrafted in your heart, becomes a part of you. And it says the engrafted word is able to save your souls. <laughs> and whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and does it, that we look at the law, we look at the word of liberty. I love the translation here. James says it's the law of liberty. It's not the law of put you in jail. It's the law of liberty. It's the word of God. And if you read it and you're not a forgetful hearer, and you do what it says, he says, it will be your joy. I will bless your deeds and the work of your hands. Amen? It says you will be blessed. So that is the end. So in these times of Shaking, global shaking, personal trials, whatever your life is going through, you can be blessed indeed if you're in the Word. God will touch you, even on your miserable days, even when you don't think he's there. He's there. He is there with you. And as we enter into this new year, I pray that the King of Kings that we sang about today the Lord of Lords. The Lord sang that psalm this morning. It was a spiritual psalm. The kings of men shall come and go, but the king of kings will reign forever. May he reign over your life as Lord Supreme. In Jesus' name.
Hallelujah. So good to see uh, Patricia and Norm here. <clears throat> I just want to just as we approach this new year, I'm just going to invite you or ask you, it's just water, it's okay, it'll, it'll dry. I'll get the blow dryer out. I just want to encourage you to, to draw close to one another. Uh, dispensation, transition of time. You've heard me speak about the upper room. Jesus ministered to those disciples for 40 days. Those things concerning what? The kingdom. And they were still in the Old Testament. You think they had any idea what he's talking about? That's why he said, wait for 10 days, and the power from upon high is going to come upon you. There's something about when they drew close together, and they waited that 10 days, they experienced something. <clears throat> Thousands, hundreds were invited, but only 120 responded. And they drew so close. Listen to this. They drew so close, the Old Testament became fulfilled. The New Testament they walked into. Would the pattern be such then as we draw close together in this time, waiting for this church age that's been prophesied will come to a close? Will we be those, maybe Jesus will come himself, minister for 40 days? of those things concerning the kingdom. And we'll be waiting. Physically transitioned from one age into the next. Everything that they'd been taught and been waiting for was of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. There's power in union. We can prepare for the end times. We can look at all the realms of eschatology. We can look at all the things that we believe that are happening in the world. The world does not dictate what the church is doing. The church is dictating what the world is having to respond to. So could it be that we're just now going to experience in 2021 such a closeness that Jesus himself would come and just speak to us concerning the things of the kingdom. We're going to be all scratching our head. What was he saying? What was he talking about? I'm sure all 120 had a different view of what he was saying. But they drew close together and they prayed. Amen. So, Father, Holy Spirit, empower us to be able to be so loving that we would lay our lives down for one another. And that, Father, that we could experience this union, this this thing that none of us got, the, somebody said it this morning, eye has not hear, eye has not seen nor ear heard that which is entered, God plans to enter place into the heart of man yet. Could it be, Father, that we could be those that you would grant us through the power of the Holy Spirit just to be so in love with you and so in love with one another that however this transition takes place, that you would find us, we could be a part of it, we could experience it together. And all of those, Father, in the family, and the greater family throughout all of the earth, that we would be the instruments to prepare the return of your Son. 
As John the Baptist declared the way, prepared the way, that we might too, Father, prepare the way. His Son. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yes. Sure, absolutely. Come on. You don't want to sit down? You're already sitting down. <laughs> I just feel like um, in this season that we're in right now, I think it's been happening for a while. It seems like every time we gather, it's like we've been like kind of walking in this desert place and there's been this large chasm within us. But that each time we're joining together, it's almost like this new organism that the Holy Spirit is weaving in us. And it's kind of like we've had this room for the word that's coming, and we've known it, but it's igniting. It's almost like little firecrackers are going off. And there's a joy that's being released in our gathering and in the word and in the substance. Um, but I feel that there's such an importance of us being together enjoying it together, sharing it together. It has such, such substance. There's, it's almost tangible that the joy in the Spirit right now, that I just feel like Father and Jesus and Holy Spirit are so, it's like Christmas morning to them. All these things that they have just like known forever was, was going to happen, and now it's like popcorn that's starting to pop, and they're sharing it with us. See, that goes back to Christmas Eve when we were talking about the voice. When I invited you, maybe the voice of the Lord will come through your children or your spouse or the person. See, when we are gathering together, we speak and bring life to one another. And that's what brings the union and strength. Amen. So for all of you that have been part of this morning, we bless you. I hope Lana and those on the West Coast are blessed by the word that came this morning and the worship. Uh, I just want you just to really continue to pray for Ben. Uh, would you just put your hands together for Ben, if you would? <laughs> we've been working. We've been working at this sound setting forever. Uh, because Facebook decided to change their algorithms on how we can record, so we bought this equipment. It's only taken us a month, but uh, I don't know if Matthew Benacosti is listening, but uh, he's come in and helped Ben because, uh, what's his name? Matt. No, what was, was it? Matt, Matt Benacosti. Okay, I thought it was. Help me, Holy Spirit. Because uh, he works with at Hypertherm, and this guy is technical. He knows what's going on with sound. And poor Matt and Ben have just been pulling their hair out, trying everything that they could. And so I was talking to Ben this morning. He just paused for a minute, and he said, we just said, Holy Spirit, there's got to be something that we're not doing right. So they said, so Matt said, let's try this. Guess what? It worked. So bless both of you in Jesus' name. So once again, blessings, everyone. We love you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you blessed? Encouraged?